and welcome to our webinar from our series on the directory for catechesis, formation of catechists and catechetical leaders. I'm Colleen Campbell, coordinator of formation programs at the Catholic Apostolate Center. Today, I'm pleased to welcome our presenter for this webinar, Katie Diltz. Katie is an associate director of ECHO, a graduate service program in the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame that forms young adults as catechetical leaders. In her role, she oversees the area of professional formation for ECHO students and works closely with the Notre Dame's Department of Theology to coordinate ECHO students' movement through the Master of Arts in Theology degree program. Katie worked in parish and school ministry for five years before joining the ECHO staff in 2013 and she remains actively involved in parish life as a leader of her local parish council. Today, during the presentation, if you have any technical issues, please send a message in the chat box on the bottom right of the screen and a staff member will assist you. In addition, please feel free to type any questions you have for us in the question tabs of the chat box that's also in the bottom right of your screen. Now I will turn things over to Katie, who will get us started with a prayer. Wonderful, thank you, Colleen. Let's take a breath, bow our heads and remember that we are in God's ever loving presence as we are gathered in this virtual space today. For our prayer today, I will, Use the words of St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians. Let's begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I give thanks to my God at every remembrance of you, praying always with joy in my every prayer for all of you because of your partnership for the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right that I should think this way about all of you, because I hold you in my heart, you who are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may increase ever more and more in knowledge and every kind of perception, to discern what is of value, so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I chose these words from Paul as this is a first, um, the first chapter of Philippians verses three through 11. Um, just note, I hope that you know that this is my prayer for all of you in your work and ministry, um, and also a particular prayer for our time together um, today to, to discern what is of value, that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
So as we begin, I want to tell you a little bit about my context, um, who I am, where I'm coming from, who, why do I have any ability to speak about the things um, about which I am speaking, other than having read the fourth chapter of the Directory for Catechesis. So as Colleen mentioned, I work in the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. And in the McGrath Institute, we aim to be a bridge between the university and the church. We connect the resources of the university to the life of the church. And we also bring the gifts and needs of the church to the university. And we do this through leadership programs, through theological education, through research and publications. And in particular, my role in the Institute, uh, I work with, as Colleen mentioned again, um, with students in the ECHO program. ECHO is a graduate service program here at Notre Dame. Our students earn an MA in theology while serving the church for two years. They work in parishes and Catholic schools in catechetical ministry. Um, and again, as Colleen said, I part of my role is to oversee the professional formation of our students. So thinking about how do um, kind of all of the areas of formation contribute to their professional, um, their professional work, their ministry, um, their teaching for the church. In ECHO, our students are, you know, I mentioned the MA degree and um, their service to the church working in our partner dioceses around the country. They're also engaged in ongoing holistic formation. Um, the, the document that has helped to shape ECHO's formation, some of you may be familiar with, is Coworkers in the Vineyard of the Lord, a document of the USCCB. Um, in Coworkers, they mentioned four different um, areas of formation, human, spiritual, intellectual, and pastoral. So I just name that so that you all are aware that some of that language will come in um, as I'm talking about the dimensions of formation that are referenced in um, the directory for catechesis. So why do this? <laughs> why do this work of forming catechists and catechetical leaders? We're going to draw on three church documents to find an answer for this question. So first, we're going to start with, I don't know, what may seem like a sort of unlikely source, but we're going to start with canon law. In Canon 231, it says, lay persons who permanently or temporarily devote themselves to special service of the church are obliged to acquire the appropriate formation required to fulfill their function properly and to carry out this function conscientiously, eagerly, and diligently. So there you go. We are obliged to engage in formation in order to do this work well. Next, we'll draw on the directory for catechesis, which says, the formation of catechists requires particular attention because the quality of pastoral initiatives is necessarily connected to the persons who bring them into being. In the face of the complexity and demands of the time in which we live, it is appropriate that the particular churches should devote sufficient energies and resources to the formation of catechists. I'm sure you've all experienced this, but it's in some ways the directory is stating the obvious. The quality of our work, of our ministry, depends on our formation. We need to be well formed in order to do this work well. And lastly, just briefly from coworkers, it is the whole person who ministers, 
So the whole person is the proper subject of formation. I'll touch on this a little bit more as we get into these main dimensions of formation. All right, so let's make a plan. Let's, um, I'm all about the practical things, so let's get to work. Um, what I have created for you and what uh, I'll share with you throughout this webinar and ultimately in a resource that you can download and take home with you is um, a formation plan for catechists. So before we kind of jump into the details of that, um, I wanna address two things. One, I wanna define our term a little bit. I'm using the word catechists. Um, and I, I, I realize that has sort of um, very specific connotations. We often think about catechists as the, you know, the teachers who are teaching our religious education um, program. I think of catechists much more broadly than that. I think that all of us who are working in ministry are catechists or ought to be considered catechists. Um, and so this can be, again, those, those who are teaching, you know, classroom catechesis. It can be youth ministry volunteers, core team members. It can be our RCIA team. It can be Bible study leaders. It can be St. Vincent de Paul volunteers. Uh, I have a really wide definition. So know that um, if you are someone who doesn't work particularly with catechists or people who you might not call catechists, um, or if you yourself are not a catechist, that this is still relevant to you if you are involved in ecclesial ministry in some shape or form. Um, and I'll also say that I am in particular addressing lay ecclesial ministers or lay catechists. Um, although again, I think a lot of this would be applicable to ordained. Um, the second thing I wanna address is, before we jump in, is um, the goal of catechist formation. Why, why do this? Um, in the new directory, it talks about um, really that our, our work here in doing formation is really very Trinitarian. It's to develop, um, foster a disposition of openness to the spirit, to conform ourselves more closely to Christ, and then ultimately to be sent out by the Father to proclaim salvation. We as catechists, those of us who work in ministry, are all called to be missionary disciples. And, and, and to use that um, role to accompany and to educate. And so we want to empower our catechists to know that they are missionary disciples, to understand that they are not just a warm body using a textbook or whatever the case may be, but that each of us has a really important and significant role in this, um, in our ministry. All right, so the details of, um, of the plan. I'll share with you that um, what I've developed for you is an individualized plan. I, I don't really believe in saying every single person who serves in a catechetical role needs to do this, this, and this, although there probably are things I could say that about. But um, ultimately, there are sort of categories that we're inviting catechists to grow in. 
Um, and so for those of you who are in a position to facilitate some of these opportunities for growth, so whether you're a director of religious education at a parish, a youth minister, um, the director of faith formation for a diocese, um, I'll, I'll kind of address some of these things as we go through them to you as to how you can facilitate some of these um, opportunities for learning for the catechists you're working with. And part of your role, too, is not just facilitating these opportunities, but providing accompaniment and accountability for the catechists. Um, you know, we we are a Christian community and we need to be with one another, not just say, here, go learn this thing. Um, maybe here, go learn this thing, but then come back and let's talk about it. So know that you have an important role in this. Um, and I do think that all of this is applicable to each of you as well. So know that, again, while I might be talking about the people that you're working with and accompanying, um, I hope that there's some takeaway in this for you in your own formation. So the dimensions of formation, as mentioned in the directory for catechesis, there are three dimensions that are named. And so um, the plan will involve attending to each of these three dimensions, being and knowing how to be with human and Christian maturity and missionary awareness, knowledge, biblical theolo theological formation, and the understanding of human beings and the social context, and savoir-faire, pedagogical and methodological formation. I, I'll note, too, that we tend to focus, I think, especially with catechists, on knowledge and the savoir-faire, the sort of knowing how to um, act, the, the pedagogy and methodology, that um, we sometimes kind of think, well, it's not really my place to kind of get into the like human formation piece. Um, you know, you have your private prayer life and, and, you know, but come show up and be a catechist. So I think that that first piece is actually really essential. Um, we all know people, I imagine, in ministry who have some work to do in terms of human formation, who maybe aren't as great with this knowing how to be with. Um, and they can do damage. They can do a lot of damage in some cases by um, turning people away from the church. As catechists, we represent the church. And part of our work is evangelization, building relationships with people, helping them to kind of grow and trust with the institution of the church that we represent. So. Um, again, I think this is actually a really important part that we might shy away from really deeply engaging. So I'm going to push you on that one. All right. Being and knowing how to be with. How do we help people to grow in this dimension of formation? So human formation, we're gonna start with opportunities for human formation. I wanna give you, that's, it's a it's a word that's used in um, both in the new directory, it's used in coworkers in the vineyard, it's something we talk about in ECHO, and I, I feel like it's a little bit hard to grasp. What does human formation mean? So I pulled out a definition for you from coworkers. It says, human formation seeks to develop the lay ecclesial minister's human qualities and character fostering a healthy and well-balanced personality for the sake of both personal growth and ministerial service. Sort of like who you are and how you interact with people, both for yourself, for your own sake and relationships, but also for your service, for the work that you're doing for the church. 
So how do we help people to grow in their own or to develop in their own human formation? Um, there are some, I would say, sort of topics that can be really helpful to address. So again, this is where hosting a workshop, providing resources, um, whether whether that's you know us as a particular parish providing this for our catechists, maybe getting together with our deanery or regional um, parishes, working with the diocese to provide some of these opportunities, um, finding webinars, things like that. It, you know, you don't have to create everything. Um, collaborate, work with people, find resources that are available. So, some helpful topics in terms of human formation are uh, establishing healthy boundaries. How to do that? Communication, conflict, also related to communication, appropriate use of power and authority. Um, I think that's something we don't often talk about in explicit ways. I think it, it actually is really connected to safe environment training, virtues, protecting God's children, whatever, um, that training that your catechists are already required to attend. Um, gifts assessment, helping your catechists understand what their gifts and strengths are multicultural competencies that help us to better acknowledge the reality of ministering in a diverse world. And, you know, kind of developing that competence, you know, makes us aware of what are my own cultural values and biases. And, and these are, I think of culture really broadly. So some of that is even um, age to say, I am a catechist who's in my 30s, 40s, 50s, and the children I'm working with are 13 and they're on their phones all the time and I don't understand what TikTok is, you know, to, to understand um, your own biases in relation to the people that you're working with can be really, um, it, it's really essential, I guess I should say. Participation in community. In ECHO, our students live in intentional faith communities. Um, many of us are perhaps married, live with family. Um, some are in intentional faith communities of their own. We learn a lot about ourselves when we're in near proximity and close relationship with other people. So, I mean, I guess you could invite catechists into an intentional faith community, a living community, if anyone's interested, but uh, more practically speaking, invite catechists to create community with one another that meets regularly, that, you know, they check in on their formation with one another. They um, check in on how things are going very practically, how their lives are to just create space for this sort of accompaniment. And it can be just with catechists. It can be with ministry leaders, it can be a parish-wide thing with a variety of parishioners, but having that sense of community is really important. Community is a really good space to receive both affirmation and critique through receiving feedback from other people, to create space to be supported, but also to be challenged. Mentoring is another important piece here. Um, Mentoring and accompaniment. I think mentoring is a, a little bit more formal or formalized. Um, each of our students, I hate to keep talking about Echo, but again, this is where I'm coming from. Um, each of our students in Echo has a professional mentor at their placement. So it's someone that they meet with weekly. You wouldn't necessarily need to meet weekly, uh, but to talk about their experience of ministry. How are things going? What are you experiencing? What's difficult? What resources do you need? 
um, you know, a space to really attend to the ongoing growth of, of the catechist, of the individual. Um, and again, this can be done by the parish staff, but if you're sitting there going, Katie, I have 40 catechists and I don't have time to mentor all of them. God bless you. And you're right, you don't. <laughs> so, so how do you provide something like that without killing yourself? Um, you know, you can mentor presumably a few of the catechists, maybe you have some more experienced catechists that you would like to mentor. And then you're modeling for them how they perhaps could mentor other catechists. Maybe you have parishioners who would be really good at this work. Maybe they can't commit to being a catechist, but they can commit to accompanying catechists. Um, you know, so kind of get creative. It doesn't need to be you doing all of the things, but, you know, kind of use your resources, build a team, think about how you can do this well. Mental wellness. I have a colleague who often talks about, um, you know, she'll name that we talk about mental illness a lot, but we don't often talk about what goes into mental wellness. And, uh, you know, so she'll talk about kind of attending to these different parts of yourself. So, paying attention. We are human beings. We have bodies. We have feelings. We have, you know, we've got all these different parts of ourselves. And I mean, as really, as we've learned in the last year, um, in a very, you know, kind of particular way that when, you know, when we're not taking care of ourselves, when we're, you know, sitting in one space all day, we're not getting outside, we're not talking to people, things can get thrown out of whack. Um, so this is a really helpful area. Again, one that I think we shy away from, like, well, I don't really need to be in my catechist business. Well, yeah, you do, because if they're going through something really deep that they need to attend to, they might not be in a space to serve well as a catechist. And that's not to say that if someone's going to counseling that they can't be a catechist. Gosh, I think that going to counseling ought to be a prerequisite for most of us. Um, so I, you know, I don't mean to say that, but knowing that these are important things to attend to, to, to attend to our physical well-being, which doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that we all need to look the same shape and size, but we all should be attending to our physical health. Are we moving? Are we relaxing? Um, how are we eating? Are we eating things that are nourishing to our bodies? Are we sleeping well? Um, I just got to Fitbit. And it just last night was my first night wearing it to sleep and I did okay. <laughs> but, but sleep is really important and it affects kind of how we live our days. And, you know, one of the things that you can do, you know, aside from kind of checking in on some of these things or providing resources related to, you know, physical and mental well-being is connect catechists or provide a list of for them of local mental health professionals. I know a lot of us um, have a difficult time finding a mental health professional who kind of views our mental health through a Christian or Catholic lens. Um, and so if you're aware of resources, again, touch base with the diocese if you aren't personally aware of them, but Catholic Charities often has a lot of resources. Maybe you have parishioners, um, but making these resources available for your catechists can can really um, do them a lot of good. Um, and lastly, in this being and knowing how to be with this area of ongoing spiritual formation, I think we might assume that our catechists pray, um, and maybe some of them we see at daily mass or you know at the rosary or whatever it is. But um, 
I think we ought not to assume that. And we need to encourage it to, to teach our catechists how to pray. What is prayer? What are different styles of prayer? Let's model some Lexio Divina. You can use that with your students. You can use it in your own personal life. Um, spiritual direction. Many of us, I hope, are um, in a direct in a relationship with a spiritual director. I know oftentimes spiritual directors are hard to come by, but you know, again, if you have resources locally, if you have a list of spiritual directors, provide that list to your catechists. Invite them to consider going to spiritual direction to to again have that level of accompaniment of someone who is trained to help you grow in your relationship with God and, and attend to all that God is asking of you. Um, another piece is kind of this spiritual formation in community and talking with others, um, you know, engaging in faith formation, or sorry, uh, faith sharing, and theological reflection. And just briefly, when I use those two terms, what I'm thinking of is uh, faith sharing as we're looking at this passage from scripture and how does my life relate to that. We're sort of starting with the content of our faith and bringing our lives to it. What does this have to say about something in my life? Anything. Um, And theological reflection is sort of the opposite movement where we start with the thing of our life, the stuff of our lives to say, I have a lot of energy around this event, this student, this whatever, What is it that the content of our faith has to say that can help transform this situation, that can help break it open for me so that I can be transformed and see it in a new way? So those um, dual practices of faith sharing and theological reflection can be really helpful. And retreats, lastly, are another really important piece. I know many of us, um, you know, <laughs> the idea of a retreat in these in this last year or so, this idea of retreating, stepping away from, getting out of the house um, seems pretty foreign. But uh, we know that it's important. And even if the sort of physical retreat isn't possible, we can help our catechists create space wherever they are for a retreat. Um And, you know, whether that's them attending a retreat that they have found on their own or something that you're not planning, but also something that you are planning, you know, plan an annual retreat for your catechists um, that can specifically speak to what they are experiencing in their role as a catechist with your ministry. Knowledge. So there are two dimensions here um, within this category of knowledge. The one I think is more obvious, the theological education. Um, The second is perhaps less obvious, but it's knowledge about people. So for theological education, I'm sure that many of you have catechist certification programs within your diocese. So that's kind of low hanging fruit. Get your catechists enrolled. There are other programs, whether a catechist has already completed the local certification and you want to help them get some ongoing education or you want to supplement um, the catechist certification program that um, that's being offered. There are programs. uh, I will speak to what I know from the McGrath Institute because I I know the content well and I I trust it. (laughs) So and there are other trustworthy programs out there. So I don't mean to suggest otherwise. But um, in the McGrath Institute, we have step courses. There are, and actually, there are dioceses that we partner with 
to use this for their catechist certification or for deacon formation. Um, so, you know, there are their theology courses. They're like around six weeks each, $99 a course. Um, so it's pretty reasonable as far as, um, you know, professional development. Um, we also have other courses. We had, we've had a variety of courses that are free for the offering. Um, you know, so looking online, finding conferences, webinars, online courses, you know, let's develop this, this theological knowledge. Our director here of the McGrath Institute, uh, Dr. John Cavanini, talks about how we need a renewed pedagogy of the basics. You know, he, he teaches um, oftentimes freshmen here at Notre Dame. And, you know, like, these are smart kids. I didn't go to Notre Dame for undergrad. Um, they, you know, he says that they know more about reincarnation than they do about the incarnation. And, you know, so we need to be attentive to these very basic things that, you know, aren't necessarily simple or easy to explain. But the more that we educate ourselves, the better we can explain them to the students and parishioners that we're working with. Um, some other, you know, ideas to um, get people kind of focused on their theological education um, is, you know, book studies, Bible studies, read the catechism together um, and encourage them, encourage your catechists to pray with the content they are teaching. We don't often, or I think we, we don't do this often enough. I, I don't do this often enough, I should say. Um, but to actually bring the content to prayer, not just thinking about how can I structure this lesson, but how am I actually letting this penetrate my own heart in order to be able to offer this to my students? Know the people. So we got, you know, the theological education. Now we have to know something about the people. Um, in Gaudium et Spes, one of our Vatican II documents, um, it says, Live in very close union with the other people of your time and strive to understand perfectly their way of thinking and judging as expressed in their culture. It's so important to, to pay attention to the people. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, as far as, you know, I was talking about multicultural competencies, looking at like do I, am I aware of like what TV shows these kids are watching, what movies they're watching, what music they're listening to? Like, what is that TikTok thing? Why is Instagram so interesting to you? And there's probably like other things that are newer and cooler that I have never heard of. Um, that's not to say that you need to watch every episode or even like the things that they're interested in, but as a catechist to be aware of and be interested in what they're interested in. It makes a big difference. Again, this, this sort of accompaniment, um, it, you know, how do we help our students and parishioners to see the world through a Christian lens? Oh, do you know what that song is about? Hmm, tell me why you like that. Um, you know, ask them questions, engage them, help them to think through these things. Don't just say, that song is terrible. How dare you listen to that? Um, sometimes that might be, that might be okay. Um, <laughs> but maybe we can do it in a, in a more pastoral way, in a way that um, helps to educate and, and love and not just, you know, say, don't listen to that garbage while I'm around. Um, that was maybe more of like a mom thing. I don't know. Um, 
another piece here too related to knowing the people is paying attention to relevant sciences and what do you know not just theology but what do these other sciences have to say about this work that we're doing the people that we're working with how we do this work so looking at psychology and sociology and pedagogy and communication and formation so kind of being attentive to all of these things again and this is where you as the DRE as um, a diocesan director can kind of help bring some of these things to light, help you know identify what some of these resources are that catechists can attend to, or help to weave these things into the resources that you're offering. You know, as Pope Francis says, we have to smell like our sheep. So, you know, we can't just live in our, our little churchy bubbles. We gotta get out a little. <laughs> All right. And our third dimension of formation, this civil affair. I had to Google that because I didn't know what it meant. But this essentially means knowing what to do in any situation. So, um, you know, in particular, we're talking about like pedagogy, methodology, you know, kind of how do we do this work of communicating, but also the kind of general professional ministerial development. So thinking about pedagogy and this pedagogical training and support, we can offer workshops on teaching methods and strategies. How many of your catechists are aware of the depth and breadth of teaching resources that are out there? Find a parishioner who teaches at the local public school, or if you have a Catholic school, you know, grab some teachers or principal to help you teach your catechists how to teach. <coughs> Excuse me. Lesson planning is another um, important thing and creating good objectives. And lesson planning and objectives and really all of the, the teaching strategies aren't just helpful for classroom catechists. When I create a workshop or I'm preparing a session for our students or webinars, I try to think for myself, what's my objective here? What do I hope that these participants are going to come away with? So just to give you a little insight into what I'm thinking today, my, my hope, my objective for today is that you all will be able to implement a formation plan for catechists by the end of this session um, and that you will understand the importance of this work, um, of this work of forming catechists, of being formed ourselves. So you can let me know how we do with that when we get to the end. Um, observe your catechists, give them feedback, you know, set up regular opportunities. And, and again, maybe you just don't have the time or maybe even the, um, the, the pedagogical knowledge yourself to be able to do that. Again, find someone else who can do that. Partner with the community, even if it's someone who's not Catholic or not a parishioner. Hello, evangelization. Um, but what a great opportunity to find someone to bring in to support your catechists. Um, especially catechists who are working with exceptional learners. That, I think, as we all know, can be difficult. You know, talk with the parents. Talk with, again, like maybe public school teachers or the Catholic school teachers. Find some resources to help support your catechists so that they can better work with the students. And again, you know, related kind of drawing back to these are all very connected, these um, dimensions of formation to the sense of community. 
helping catechists to have the opportunity to talk with other catechists about their successes, about their challenges, about their experience in the classroom. Um, and again, that can be within your local parish. But, you know, if you've got a sixth grade catechist who who is having a difficult time with um, with her students in their particular age group, see if there's anybody else around who has sixth grade students, again, whether in a school or, um, you know, as a catechist and like connect them. Let's, you know, give us, give us some resources, um, help to talk it, talk it out. Well, how do I handle this? Um, you know, we have a program here at Notre Dame called the Catechist Academy, where we have Notre Dame students who serve at local parishes as catechists, and they each have a mentor who, you know, many of us in the McGrath Institute serve as mentors for them um, and other, you know, graduate students and, and staff in the university. But we help to give them feedback. And, and also, to you know, they can come to us and say, okay, so my students aren't listening or they're like running around. What do I do? Um, so we can help give them some of these um, strategies. So, you know, giving them space to talk with one another and to talk with people who can support them. Lastly, professional ministerial development. This, you know, is another area where you can provide workshops and resources to, to help the catechists kind of grow and develop in, you know, a variety of professional and ministerial ways, especially, um, thinking about what are the skills that will help someone do well in this particular ministry, in the role in which they are serving. So facilitating small group conversations. I know a lot of you who work in youth ministry probably um, do this with your volunteers. And even honestly, classroom catechists, um, many of our classroom catechists are teaching a small group of students. They don't have a full you know, class of 20. So small group dynamics are actually more helpful to kind of think about in terms of how you're working with these people. Um, catechists ought to be trained in how to tell compelling stories. So much of what we do in catechesis is related to storytelling, both, you know, sharing our own testimony, our own story of faith, but also sharing the, you know, the stories of our faith, scripture, um, the lives of the saints to, to be able to develop the skills to be a good storyteller is a really useful catechetical tool. Art and literature and music are also really helpful catechetical tools. So exposing your catechist to these, you know, at, if you're leading a retreat, a workshop, beginning with prayer, using a piece of art, using a selection from literature, using a piece of music to, to help break open our imaginations. It's amazing to see what, you know, if you're um, in a class and talking about the parables to, you know, okay, yeah, 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 we've heard this one a long time. Well, here's this piece of art. What does this sort of say to you? What do you see? What do you notice? Um, but to introduce our catechists to these kinds of tools to help enhance their ministry, but also to enhance their own formation and their own um, growth. And teaching them to accompany their students, um, that they, you know, and that's what this is all about. This whole kind of structure of what's being proposed is about modeling accompaniment, because that's what we're asking the catechists to do, to accompany the students that they're teaching, the parishioners that they're working with, the parents, the families. Um, again, this takes more off of your shoulders, that you accompany the catechists and then they help accompany other parishioners. 
Um, the last two kind of um, details under professional ministerial development that I want to name, um, I think are really kind of just the most essential to what it is that we're doing. Um, the first is engaging, you know, kind of helping our catechists to engage in ongoing growth through goal setting and evaluation. Um, you know, this, this, I feel like I'm overusing the word, but accompaniment um, that to help catechists not just stay where they are, because isn't that what, you know, our, our discipleship is all about? Like, God meets us where we are, and he doesn't leave us there. So how do we do the same for our catechists? How do we meet them where they are and help them to grow? And the, the final thing is really helping all of us to foster a disposition of openness to the spirit. The spirit is the primary agent of formation. I am not, you are not, the catechist is not. We cooperate with the spirit, but the spirit is the primary agent of formation. And so, you know, kind of going through this process of reflection and, and growth um, really helps us to acknowledge the movement of the spirit and think about the ways that God is acting. So the resource. Um, this is the, you know, this is it. <laughs> this is what I've developed for you. Um, it's a formation plan that you can offer to catechists that you can take advantage of yourself. Um, the text is excerpts from the directory for catechesis so that this can kind of stand alone. Um, certainly you could give your catechist the directory for catechesis if um, your resources allow that. But um, what this does is it invites uh, the catechist to kind of think through these three areas that we just named and to identify under each area both a learning opportunity and um, an ongoing practice. So what do I mean by learning opportunity and ongoing practice? Learning opportunity would be something like, I'm going to attend this workshop or this webinar. I'm going to read this book and then have a conversation with someone about it. Um, you know, these sort of more um, particular, you know, kind of concrete, acute maybe things. Um, the, the ongoing um, piece is more of a prayer practice I'm gonna dedicate myself to, a small group that I'm going to participate in throughout the year. But looking at like, what are the, the ways that I'm sort of intaking knowledge, but then what are the, the habits that I'm, that I'm developing for myself to help me grow in this area? And there's a piece on the bottom too that asks um, how they're gonna hold themselves accountable to to doing this work. And that's a, a piece where you can come in, where you can kind of provide space for accountability to, um, you know, you can offer that to them. You can, I don't know, you can require it of them. I mean, that's something that I would suggest with all of this is to name the requirement or the, the expectation up front um, to, to know that, you know, you've, I know that catechists are really hard to find a lot of times and keep, um, and we don't want to ask more of them than we need to. But the hope is with this, that it's actually not asking that much of them. And it's about, you know, it's calling them to something higher in their work of catechetical ministry. So um, my hope is that it's not a, a huge ask. It's actually something that's going to help them focus the ways that they're 
improving and growing for, um, for the sake of their ministry. On the second page, um, you'll see that the link is there for you so you can download it. But so this is the first page. The second page has really what I wa just walked through with these three areas. So these are dimensions that um, the three dimensions of formation and these are ideas so that as they're thinking like, I don't know, civil affair, what does that mean? And how do I grow in that area? Well, these are the, um, the ideas that I just talked through. So that's it. Um, I, you know, I, I want to hear your questions. I want to hear as you sort of hear this, think about implementing something like this. What comes to mind? What, where do you resist? Where are you excited? What, you know, what questions do you have? So I know Colleen is back and she will, she'll ask me questions. <laughs> yes, Katie, we have a couple for you. So um, one just came in from Tanya and um, she asks, Expectations are vital, we all know, but when your workforce of catechists are volunteers, how do you hold them to those expectations and what consequences are there if they don't? Yeah, I have students in a program, so it's a little easier. <laughs> but I think, again, I think that that's where, you know, get these things on the calendar from the beginning um, to say, like, this is what the role of the catechist entails. If you have catechists who are returning to say, this is a new requirement, and I want to invite you to commit to this role, knowing what the new expectations are. And the expectation is that you complete this plan, and then you know, they maybe turn it into you. And then at the end of the year, maybe you have a converse at some point during the year, you have a conversation about it. Um, and even if that conversation is to say, I haven't done any of these things. Okay. Why not? What's going on? Do you want to do these things? Do you want to be in this role as a catechist? Like it's not, you know, we're not trying to like make them do their homework we're trying to make them better disciples of Christ. And if they don't want to do that, I don't know that they should be catechists, you know? But again, I, I also understand that, um, you know, we need catechists. Um, and so, yeah, so I think it is, it is delicate, but that's where I think by empowering the catechists rather than sort of, um, threatening them you know, uh, can be helpful. And, and again, it's, you know, okay, one of my, you know, ongoing, um, one of my ongoing practices can be, you know, praying. I'm going to spend 10 minutes in prayer every day um, or three times a week if that, you know, but to, they can be very reasonable things. And that's where the catechist gets to decide. Um, and if you're providing some of these learning opportunities, then you can say, if you want your learning opportunity for um, being and knowing how to be with to be this workshop, I, you know, we're providing this workshop for you. And so you can like, that's easy. Come this Sunday. I, I will say I'm also a big advocate of planning catechist development during um you know, taking a, a day off from religious ed, you know, planning that ahead throughout the year. All right, students get a day off and we're going to have our catechist formation right in that time. So you're not asking more of your catechist. It's just that they don't get the day off that the students get. Great. Yeah. I love how you put that about, it's about empowering the catechist, right? And it's not about holding their feet to the fire that if you don't do your homework, you know, there's going to be consequences, but, you know, really empowering them and encouraging them that this is part of their formation to become missionary disciples. So all about that for sure. 
Okay, great. We have some more coming in too. So this one is from um, Joyce. Um, our diocese is discerning a full revision of catechist certification. What new models of certification or resources do you recommend? Yeah, well, I, the one that I know, I know that there are others, so I will let others can can speak to that. But the one that I'm familiar with is um, STEP here in the McGrath Institute. Um, they do have kind of a particular um, core, uh, course trajectory, I guess you could say, um, for catechists. And, and we do partner with dioceses to offer these online courses. So. I recommend that, but again, I, it's because I, it's what I know and can kind of, you know, recommend um, because I, I know the quality of it and, and all of that. Um, I know that there are other resources, but I think, again, thinking of these different dimensions, you know, are there programs that address these different things or are there, you know, we can partner with this online institute, whatever, um, for the theological education but then how do we address the human formation? How do we address the pedagogical formation? Um, I don't know that I've seen kind of a one program that encompasses all of that. Somebody else may have information on that. I know that one of the things that we're thinking of in you know future is kind of developing more robust catechist formation because it, it really is necessary. So sorry, I don't have maybe a real thorough answer for that, Joyce. Great, thank you. And yeah, feel free, anyone, if you have any insights into some of those suggestions for Joyce, feel free to pop those in the chat because um, definitely this is a space where you can share that. Um, so this comes from uh, Patrick. Um, could you speak about the relationship between the four dimensions of formation in coworkers and the three dimensions that you've been speaking about? Why three and four there? Mm. I guess I don't know why three and four, but I can tell you what I've kind of seen as I've put these things together that um, the being and knowing how to be with seems to encompass the human and spiritual formation. And even, you know, in Echo, we add in communal formation, a human and communal formation kind of go together. But so I think that being and knowing how to be with encompasses the, the human, the communal and the spiritual formation. Um, Knowledge primarily is intellectual formation, and then the area of savoir-faire um, is the pastoral or kind of professional formation. Um, but they all are, you know, as is the goal, they are, are integrated. You can't do one without the other. Um, you need all of them to be a well-formed catechist or catechetical leader. Um, and so, you know, so I'm hesitant to kind of keep them separate in those ways. But even as I was speaking about them, you could hopefully hear that, you know, these things are all kind of woven together um, or, or they, they ought to be. Great, perfect. And then we have more for you, so that's great. Um, so we have two from Stephen. So the first one from Stephen is, I work in a parish as a formation director. What are some steps that I can take to improve my team and my volunteers' pastoral and human formation? There's a ton out there for spiritual and intellectual formation, but not an easy, not too easy to start applying the human and pastoral formation to such a group. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think introducing them to these concepts can be really helpful. Um, you know, just starting there. What is human formation? What is pastoral formation? Why are these things important? Um, what we use for our students in ECHO, we have, um, they have two documents, two covenants that we like to call them, um, that they complete 
each year. One is their learning covenant. It's related to their professional work, their professional goals. Um, and they also have a formation covenant that attends to their personal formation. Um, you know, in a program like ours, we can kind of do these separate things with their learning covenant kind of stays with their mentor at their workplace and, um, and their formation covenant tends to go, um, you know, to, to, uh, their mentor doesn't see that. Um, but I, so I think providing resources, even something like this plan um, that I've shared with you that invites them to consider how they can grow with this. Um, another useful tool um, is kind of an, an inventory to ask, you know, to for you to kind of identify some different um areas in these, you know, in human formation and pastoral formation, and to say, to allow them to self-assess, to say, how am I in this? How am I, in, you know, how do I, how am I with conflict? How do I communicate? Um, how am I at public speaking? How comfortable am I with that? How am I with organization and time management? But to, to allow them to assess themselves and identify areas for growth um, can make it a little bit easier than somebody else coming in and saying, do this thing, <laughs> but then providing space for them to, to grow in those areas. Um. Definitely. And as someone, I am a graduate of the ECHO program. Um, so as someone uh, who's been through that process of doing a formation covenant and doing these like kind of learning covenants as well, I can definitely attest to how helpful that is. And to, it, it definitely gives you a space to step back and kind of consider what areas of formation you know, that you're needing to grow in. So just wanted to add my endorsement to that, definitely. Yeah. Um, and can okay. I add to Colleen? Sure, yeah. um, using local professionals, again, they don't need to be Catholic. Like we partner with professionals for all sorts of different things. Um, and we allow them to do their piece and then we make the connections to the maybe more theological ministerial pieces. And using things like art, um, you know, one of the activities that um, we've done in the past is, you know, is calligraphy. We'll do calligraphy with our students. And what we're doing is not, we're not like working on their penmanship. Um, you know, it's a cool experience to be like, oh, I'm learning how to write in a new way. But we're also asking them to notice like what's happening in you while you're going through this new thing. You already know how to write. Now you have to learn how to write in, you know, with your hand in a different position, you know, in a different way. And it can be frustrating. Like what what are you like? What's happening inside of you? Not what are you creating? Um, not what are you making? But what is this experience making of you? So inviting people into those kinds of experiences can be really formative. And it's less of like a smack over the head with formation, even though sometimes it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is just the second question that Stephen had. Um, so what are some challenges that you personally have had with implementing formation programs, either at work or that you've seen in parish life? Yeah. So at my parish here, I went to our pastor and I said, I want to form your catechist. What can we do? Um, so they were like, okay, here are their email addresses and, and maybe their phone number. So I reached out to the like eight catechists. I think three of them got back to me. And I was just saying, can I come observe your class one Sunday and then have a conversation with you? And no one responded. Um, 
I think I observed two catechists and one of them told me she didn't have time. And I was like, I just want to come to your class. So I, it's hard. Um, I was also an outsider coming in. I didn't know most of them. Um, and even though the DRE kind of provided, you know, kind of an introduction over email, um, it, you know, what I was thinking didn't work, but, um, I think that's where if you, if it's, built in as part of the expectation from the beginning, it can be a little bit easier um, to implement it. I think that's, you know, something that we've learned. It's like, yep, here's the expectation right from day one. This is part of being a catechist. This is part of being a core team member. This is, you know, um, so. Great. And then um, the last question we have um, comes from Terry. Terry says, I like the idea of learning and formation covenants. Do you have resources that you can share on developing learning and formation covenants? Yeah. Um, let me think. So I can tell you that, I, let me tell you the pieces of the learning covenant. Um, they are asked to write a philosophy of faith formation. So why, you know, why do we do this work that we do? How do we do it well? Um, they're asked to write out um, three professional goals for the year. Um, the nature of their work, so for our students, the, the work that they do is kind of organically um, defined. And so kind of they, they get to, in conversation with their mentor, this is a space for them to write out their job description. Um, they have a piece about their mentor relationship and kind of um, what that's going to look like, what their expectations are, and then um, writing the professional expectations of their placement. Um, so the mentor kind of helps to communicate that piece. Um, we do also use the national certification standards for lay ecclesial ministers as um, for when our students are writing goals to kind of have some professional competencies and standards that they can kind of attach to their different goals. Um, and the formation covenant is really um, asking them to, to do that work of looking at themselves and say, what are some disciplines that I wanna commit to during this year? Um, so again, kind of not totally unrelated to um, in this plan, um, these ongoing practices, but what are some of the, the yeah, I mean, we call them disciplines, but what are these things that I wanna commit to regularly in order to help form myself um, better as a disciple. So, but if you can also email me and I'll see what I, what else I can send you. All right. Well, perfect. Um, it looks like we've gotten to the end of our questions and we're kind of up um, with our, our time limit. So once again, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Katie for presenting and thank you so much to everyone who tuned in today. Um, we'll have a recording of this webinar uploaded to our YouTube channel in the next couple of weeks, so you can keep an eye out there for that. And then we'll also have it on our website, which is catholicapostolatecenter.org. Um, and you're free and welcome to share that with anyone you like. Um, as always, our resources are free to share, so um, please share it wide and far um, with everyone that is relevant with. If you haven't yet found us on social media, please like or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram in the hope that we'll continue to reach more people and spreading the message of the gospel. And once again, this webinar was part of the Center series on the themes from the Directory for Catechesis. Um, this is our final webinar in the series, so thank you, Katie, for ending us on a really high note. Um, and then, of course, if you want to view the other six webinars in the series, you can visit the center's resource page, which is devoted entirely to catechesis. 
um, at www.catholicapostolatecenter.org slash catechesis. And in the words of St. Vincent Pilati, may the charity of Christ urge you on. Thank you everyone and God bless.